Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, feel free to visit our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And now here is this week's message. Man, come on with that. Bring it. I just got to say, I don't, know where, where, I don't know where Trace is, but I want this to be on the audio archive. Trace, second guitar solo, first song. Whoa, War on Drugs, baby. It was the War on Drugs. That was awesome. We're excited about things like guitar solos here at the Vineyard. Just want to say that as well. Uh, this is a good Sunday. And the reason it's a good Sunday is because Pastor Adam is not preaching. And the reason that that is a good thing is because Sharon McCarter is preaching. So Sharon, why don't you come on up? Everybody give Sharon one of these before she comes. Sharon and her husband, Aaron, isn't that convenient? Sharon and Aaron, they pastor the Vineyard Church in Maryville, Tennessee, which is just outside of Knoxville. Think, think E-Town outside of Knoxville. That's what the Maryville Vineyard is. In addition to pastoring the church there, uh, Sharon has done a lot in the vineyard movement, like uh, nationwide in terms of women in ministry stuff, releasing women in ministry. And so it's really cool to have her. She's been here at our women's conference and we're just thrilled she's here. So give her your attention and your heart. Thank you, Adam. Um, I've always heard such good things about the Campbellsville Vineyard, and we've always wanted to come. And so I beat my husband here. Ha ha. I, I know. He's like jealous that I am here with you guys. The women's retreat was awesome. So I know I at least like the ladies of the church. So I think I like you guys too, because um, they vouched for you pretty well over the weekend. But um, I'm really glad to be here. We've known Adam and Heather for a while. And as you know, to know them is to love them. Um, so thanks for having me. Uh, we're going to pray. And then we'll We'll get into what God has for us this morning. So Lord, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that, um, that we are in your presence. Lord, that we don't go to church in vain, but Lord, we go to church to meet with you, the living God, that we know that you're here. We know this is a sacred place. We know that um, there's something special about how we, when we gather together in your name, Lord, you're just, you're even more here than you're usually here. And Lord, we just thank you so much for your presence. I ask that you would speak to us, speak to everyone here, like with just whatever they need to hear today. Lord, I just pray that we'd be in tune to your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today we're going to talk about something that I think we all think about, but we don't talk about very often. And so one of the things about being a Christian that's really good, but it's really hard, is that everybody will tell you all of the worst stuff that's happening in their lives. Like everyone will tell you about all the really bad stuff that's happening in their lives and in their friends' lives and their family's lives and their family, extended family lives. And and you just know it all. They want you to know all of it so you can be praying about it, right? Have you experienced this before? And you're like, that's so good. Like, I really want to know this stuff. I do. But if I'm perfectly honest, I think that's one of the hardest parts about being a pastor is like, you just hear all of the bad stuff all of the time. And for me, I can't help but to put myself in other people's shoes, right? That's how I kind of like can relate to them and try to minister to them. And so I put myself in their shoes. And when I do that, I can't help but to ask myself the question, like, well, would I be prepared to face something like that if I had to, you know, and I'm kind of a worrier, you know, by nature. And, um, and so I tend to think about the what ifs of life. 
And as a discipline, like a spiritual discipline, I really try not to do that. Like as a discipline, I try not to just dwell on the what ifs of life, but I don't want to dwell on those things. But I do want to know that through Christ, I would be prepared enough and I would be strong enough to get through anything I might have to get through in this life. Like I want to, I don't want to dwell on it, but I do want to know that I would be prepared. And so this morning we're going to talk about one way we can be prepared for anything that might come our way. And the way is so simple. All we have to do is learn how to breathe, right? That's pretty easy, right? But I don't mean like taking breaths in order to stay alive. I mean, learning to breathe deeply in in order to stay strong. So today we're going to talk about how to breathe deeply because breathing is actually one of the most natural things we do. Um, We actually breathe 20,000 times a day. Isn't that insane? 20,000 times a day. Can you imagine if we had to make any kind of effort or think about it? That's all we would do. I mean, that's all we would do all day, every day. So I'm really grateful that breathing is like a gift, but because it's a gift, a lot of us take it for granted. Now, sometimes we don't, like there are times we don't take breathing for granted. Like, um, I just met people in your church that are like triathlon people and you know, all this stuff. Like those people don't take it for granted. They have to pace yourself. You need, you need your breath, right? Or like, God forbid you've ever seen someone struggle with it for air. Like you don't take it for granted then, but for the most part, we take breathing for granted. And it turns out because we take it for granted, because we don't really think about it that much, most of us are actually doing it wrong. We're supposed to be deep breathing people, but studies show that most of us are shallow breathers. And so we're going to take a test this morning to find out whether or not you are a deep breather or a shallow breather. Okay. Like it's just time to find out. So we're going to, it's a really easy test. Um, the, the instructions are on the screen. You just put your, um, you kind of sit up straight for a minute. Okay. And you put your palms against your lower abdomen and you blow out all your air. Now take a deep, big breath. And then the question is, did your abdomen expand out when you inhaled or did your stomach pull in? And so we're going to do that again, just to make sure you understand the directions. Okay. So we're going to do it again. Blow all your air. Now deep breath. And did your stomach go out or in? So here's the thing. If your stomach expanded out when you took that breath. That means you are doing it right. You are a deep breather. Yes, you can give yourself the hands. It's very exciting. That's good. That means you like you breathe deeply from like the pit of your stomach. That's a really good thing. Now, if your stomach pulled in, that means you are a shallow breather. And that's not so good. That means like you are only breathing with the top portion of your lungs. I know a lot of you are shallow breathers because your shoulders went up. That's like a sign that your shoulders go up. That means you're breathing more shallow. And it's been said that shallow breathers are like, we're breathing from our he, um, from our like lungs or from our throats instead of from our heels. Okay. So I know you're dying to tell us all. Okay. So if you are a deep breather, uh, who are you? Let's see you by hands. All right. All right. I think that's, that's a lot. Okay. And if you are a shallow breather, all right, let's raise your hand. Okay. We are like the minority, but I'm with you. I am a shallow breather. I'm trying to think of the people I saw with their 
I'm like, are you lying? Are you sure? But yeah, you're, if you're a shallow breather, like if your shoulders went up and that's me and I'm so bummed out about it because I thought I was doing it right. I thought that like, you're supposed to always like suck your tummy in, you know, like, you know, like you're supposed to have like look thin or have a strong core (laughs) or something. And I'm like, make my tummy go out. That's just crazy. That just doesn't look good. You know what I mean? So I'm really bummed out about the whole thing. And now I'm learning how to breathe more deeply. I'm trying to be more intentional about it. And so, cause apparently the deeper you breathe, the stronger you are. They say that when you breathe deeply, you're really centered and you're grounded and you're really strong. It's like in a lot of different sports, you're told to plant your feet. I feel like breathing deeply is like that. Like where you just have this strong foundation. And when you have that strong foundation, you're not easily moved. You're not easily shaken. And so when you breathe deeply, you're very strong and you're very confident and you're grounded. And so this is true for us physically. And it's also true for us spiritually, especially for Christians, because as Christians, the air that we breathe is way more than just air. So I'm going to read a quote from this pastor named Ray Stedman, and he first quotes Paul, and then he gives us his thoughts. He says, he says, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, this is always the salutation in Paul's letters. These two elements like nitrogen and oxygen make up the atmosphere of the believer, an atmosphere from which we can never be successfully shut away. These are the two elements. He's talking about grace and peace. We, these two elements we continuously need and are continuously available to us in Jesus Christ. Nothing can keep them from us. They are absolutely inexhaustible. And in this atmosphere of grace and peace from God, all Christians live. The trouble is they don't always breathe very deeply. Guys, as Christians, the air that we breathe is more than just air. It is the grace and peace of God. It is the atmosphere in which we live. It is available to us all day, every day with every breath that we take. And the problem, like he said, is that we just don't breathe very deeply. Far too many of us are shallow breathers when we need to be deep breathers. Like we're getting a little bit of grace and a little bit of peace, maybe enough to like survive, but are we getting enough grace and enough peace to like thrive spiritually? Because Paul wanted every single believer to breathe deeply and to rely wholeheartedly on the grace and peace of God. He's saying these are the two things that are un- that they're unique to us as Christians. They're going to define us and they're going to strengthen us and they're going to sustain us no matter what may come our way. And that's why when Paul wrote all of his letters, he always started his letters with some version of grace and peace to you. Like he always did this. Like in 17 of his letters, he wrote grace and peace to you. And so this wasn't just a nice way to say hi or open up a letter. He said this over and over again because he meant something. And we're going to find out what it is that he meant. Now, I have to admit, like analyzing the opening line of Paul's letters like this, 
It kind of makes me um, remember back to my middle school days when my friends and I would overanalyze like everything that maybe a boy we liked wrote us like in the yearbook. Like, do you remember those days? Like, I don't know if the boys did this as much as the girls, but we overanalyzed everything, you know, and if you liked a boy and they wrote something in your yearbook, like, you know, hope you had a good summer and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I knew it. He's in love with me, you know, where he wrote like, Hey, talk to you soon. And I'm like, he's going to call. Like, I mean, we're just ridiculous, right? Like, I'm so glad we're not there anymore. Right? Like that is being overly dramatic, but i almost feel that way when we're like looking at these two words with Paul, but we're not, we're not being overly dramatic. He's saying these things over and over again, and he's not just being polite and he's not just being redundant. He is carefully choosing these words because he's making a point. He's saying grace and peace are what every Christian needs day in and day out, because these are the things that will strengthen us and they will sustain us no matter what may come our way. So let's take a deeper look into what grace is. So the problem with the word grace um, is that it's used in all different ways, in all kinds of settings, which is kind of like downplayed the true meaning of grace. I was watching a YouTube video about this, and um, some guys were just on the streets, and they were polling people as they walked by. And they were just asking people randomly, like, what do you think about when you hear the word grace? And they got all kinds of answers, you know, as some of the answers where people would say, Oh, like, I think that was the prayer that we used to pray before dinner when I was a kid, right? And you're like, you say grace. I was like, oh yeah, I did that. Um, and someone would say, um, oh, I know a person named grace or someone else said, I don't know really, but I know I try to be in my boss's good graces. Um, and I, another person talked about how they've, they've read about a politician who fell from grace. Uh, when I think about the word grace, it reminds me of my childhood. Um, I went through a, um, like a rather long clumsy stage. And every time I like fell or did something ridiculous, my parents would say, well, way to go, Grace. I was like, you can laugh at that. That's ridiculous, right? I was like, it taught me how to laugh at myself at a young age. So it was actually really good. So it's actually like a fond memory, right? I'm like, oh, that's me. Um, so, but, so people use grace in all kinds of settings and all kinds of ways, but none of those represent the true meaning of grace. Like not even close. The true meaning of grace is that it is everything that God gives to us that we do not deserve. And that's huge. It is everything that God gives to us that we do not deserve. So for me, it's always helped me to understand grace by understanding the difference between mercy and grace, right? God gave us mercy and grace, and they are often used interchangeably, but they're actually two very different things. So mercy means that we don't get what we do deserve, right? Think of that. We don't get what we do deserve. But then grace means we do get what we don't deserve. And so both of these things are found in Romans 6.23, where it says, for the wages of sin is death. So the wages, that, that means like we've earned this, we deserve this. So because of our sin, we earn death. And the fact that we're not going like, to have to suffer that punishment, that's mercy. We don't get what we do deserve. That's God's mercy. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's grace. That is God giving us something that we don't deserve. That's what grace is. It's everything God gives us that we don't deserve. James 1.17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. 
Everything that is good comes from God. We can't even begin to wrap our minds around that. But I want us to like try, like just for a minute, like grace is every single thing we don't deserve. It's every single blessing. It's every ounce of provision. Grace is every time we wake up and see the sun. It's every time we feel the rain. It's every time we hear laughter. It's every time we get a hug. It's every time we open our eyes and can see. It's every day that we have food to eat. It's every day we get to live. It's every breath that we get to take. It is all God's grace. That is all things that God provides for us that we don't deserve. And when we let our minds start to go there, And we start to do the math and we start to count our blessings. We will be so overwhelmed with gratitude that we will just be compelled to give God praise. And that's how we all should be. That's how all creation should be. All creation should be just overwhelmed with gratitude and compelled to give God praise. Because it is by him that we live and move and have our being. We sing a song called Great Are You, Lord, at our church. And I love this song. There's this one line. It's incredible. And it just says, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. And we just like sing that from the bottom of our hearts. And because it's, it's only when you understand that it is by God's grace that we are even able to breathe. That he provides the air that we breathe and the lungs that we breathe with. When we understand that, we can't help but to give him praise. We just can't help but to do it. So God gives us everything we need to stay alive, right? But then his grace is even better than that. He doesn't just give us what we need to stay alive. He gives us everything we need to give us life. Like this abundant life here and now. And then this eternal life forever and ever. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift from God, not by works that no one can boast. Like when you talk about things we don't deserve, like this is it. Like the wages of our sin is death. That's what we deserve. We deserve punishment. But instead, God just like showers us with like blessing Instead of punishment, he gives us like eternal life and friendship with him and a seat at the table. And he gives us all this good news. Like he just spoils us with his love and his grace, which is why we sing songs like Amazing Grace. And we'll sing it forever because when you understand all that God gives us that we don't deserve, we can't help but to sing about it. It is amazing. It is truly amazing. So I know we don't do it often, but I just want us to stop and think for a second about God's grace in your life, about all that he does in your life and all that he provides in your life day in and day out, because it's everything and it is everywhere. It is every time you needed some patience. It is every time you needed wisdom, every time you needed love or comfort or favor or energy or power. It is everywhere you look and it's something you can experience with literally Every breath that you take, it's the atmosphere in which we live. We just need to like learn to breathe more deeply and we need to learn to just stop and smell the roses once in a while, right? We just like take it for granted. And sometimes we just need to stop and look around and see what God has done and see what he's doing and just breathe and take it all in. Cause the more we experience God's grace, that's when we will really experience God's peace. These are the two things that go hand in hand. 
And that's why Paul always said grace and peace to you. So we're going to take some time to talk about peace. Okay. Now, when I think about the word peace or if someone greets someone at peace, like it usually means like I come to you in peace. It means I mean, you no harm. You know, like, um, I have never seen an alien movie, so I'm completely stereotyping here, you know, but my understanding of alien movies is that aliens come and they say like, we come in peace and then they kill you because they didn't mean it. And you know, like the whole thing. And that's why I don't like these movies. Right. And so like, normally if someone's saying like peace to you, it's like, I come to you in peace, but this kind of peace is not intended as the absence of harm. It's actually the hope of your well-being. The word here is shalom, and it means more than just peace. It is complete peace. Shalom is a state of being. It's a feeling of contentment, of completeness, of wholeness. It's been said that those who are in shalom cannot be shaken. And that's what Paul is hoping for them. And he's hoping that for us, that we will know this peace of God. That will bring us such wholeness and such wellness that we will not be shaken no matter what might come. So this word shalom was used all the time back then. Like it's still used all the time today, like amongst Jewish people. Like it was a common greeting. They would greet one another with peace, like peace to you, shalom to you. So it's brilliant that Paul uses the same greeting in all these letters so he can relate to them and have an audience with them. But he strategically adds the word grace. So he changes it. Instead of just saying peace to you, he says grace and peace to you. And he does this on purpose to add the gospel to their traditional greeting. And then like not to like keep over analyzing or anything, but he always says the word grace first and then says peace. It's always grace first and then peace. And what he is saying is that it is only by God's grace that you can ever actually have this peace. Like this peace that you've been looking for this whole time that you've been like wishing one another to have. It is only found when we understand God's grace. It's only then it's only through Christ that we can actually have that peace. Romans 5 1 says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians two thirteen and 14 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. So the point that Paul is making is that it's only when we fully accept God's grace that we will be able to have the benefit of God's peace. When we learn to breathe deeply the grace of God, that's when we will experience the peace of God and not just like any peace, but the shalom kind of peace where we will not be shaken no matter what may come. And guys, like I love this because this is the story of Paul's life. Like Paul practiced what he preached. He wrote four of these letters while he was in a prison cell. He was in chains. Like his life was not peachy. You know, but he, he still wrote about grace and peace and he didn't let the circumstances of life hinder his faith or steal his joy or rob him of his peace because they could do anything they want to them, to him. And and they did like they mocked him and they beat him and they starved him and they did whatever to him, but no one could take away the air that he breathed. And because of that, because of that, like he was always spiritually as solid as solid can be. Like physically, I'm sure he was a mess at times, 
I'm just sure he was, but spiritually he was a rock. And I think that when it comes to our lives, a lot of stuff can happen in our lives. Like the crap can hit the fan and things can go wrong and things can happen and people can hurt us and all that stuff. But no one can take away the air that we breathe. And if we learn to breathe the grace and peace like, like, like Paul did, we can be as unshakable as Paul was. When I was a kid, I played softball for a lot of years. And um, it's been really fun because my daughter now just started playing. So it's been like just reminding me of all the memories and the stories and stuff. And, but when I played softball, I did this really weird thing. Um, I would, um, I was an intense little child, like every, you know, every game was the world series. Okay. And, um, my daughter's the same way. And, uh, but I would hit the ball and then I would just, it was an intense situation. So I would run as fast as I can. And so what I did naturally was I held my breath. I would hit the ball. I'm like, (gasps) I would just like run, 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 run. And I never breathed ever like around all the bases. And I never noticed that. And I've never even knew that was weird until one day my coach noticed. And he was like, Sharon, are you breathing? And I'm like, no, I'm running. Like I, who has time to breathe? I'm trying to run. Like I had no idea that was weird. I thought everybody did that. You know, like I just like put my head down and, and held my breath and ran as fast as I could. And that, and that's what I did. And unfortunately I brought that same weird habit into like my middle school and high school years when I played volleyball and, um, those plays can go for a while. And I was like holding my breath on court. Like it is an intense situation and I am just running out of steam because I'm running out of air. And I realized like, I am doing that thing again. I am holding my breath. And I remember teaching myself to breathe during the play not just before and after. And when I did, when I finally did, I stopped running out of steam because I actually had enough air, right? And I know it sounds really weird, but studies show that a lot of people hold their breath when things get intense. It's not just me. And studies show actually that a lot of people hold their breath when they're sprinting. Like, thanks to Google, I know I am not alone in that. So you can judge me all you want, but it is not just me. A lot of people naturally do that. And here's the thing. I think a lot of us are living our lives like that. I think we are holding our breath. We're stressed out. We're, we're tense. We're sprinting from one thing to the next and we don't have time to breathe. So we don't. And we're running out of steam by the end of the day because we are running out of air. And that is so true of my life right now. Like, I feel like I'm in one of the biggest sprints of my life and it is very natural for me to just want to like hold my head down and hold my breath and just power through it. And God is just saying, Sharon, like you can't, you can't just power through this thing. You can't do this in your own strength. You can't do this on your own. You need me. You need everything I can possibly give you. It is only by my strength that you are going to be able to make it. And I'm like, you're right, God. I need you more than I've ever need you. I need you all day, every day, or I'm not going to make it. I read about how um, one of the worst professions you, you can have is um, being a deep sea diver. Now, I don't imagine you have many of those in Kentucky, right? So it's probably not like something you're considering. Um, but being a deep sea, d- sea diver is actually really, really bad for your health because they hold their breaths for a long period of time. And some people dive with like the scuba tanks and some people dive without the tanks, I don't know why. And, um, and they just like hold their breath 
you know, and then, and for long periods of time and do whatever they need to do. And then they come up from that for air and they're just like, <gasps> and you know, and they go down, they hold their breath for like a really long time. And studies show that it's like the worst thing they could ever do. And most of them end up with like some kind of lung damage or lung failure. Like it's really terrible. It's not sustainable. But I think a lot of Christians get in the habit of doing that. I think a lot of Christians get in the habit of doing that when we become like Sunday only Christians. Like when we come to church and we kind of get a big gasp of air <gasps> and we're kind of like, we get the gospel and we get some worship music and we get a little bit of the spirit and a little bit of the truth. We're getting a little bit of grace and a little bit of peace, but then we like leave and we just hold our breath all week long. We're sprinting around from one thing to the next. We're keeping our head down. We're trying to do it ourselves and in our own strength. And then we're about to die. And then we come back to church and we're like, <gasps> and we try to fill up again. And that is not sustainable. That is going to take a toll on us like physically and spiritually because we need more than one deep breath of the gospel every week. We need the gospel every day, all day, every day. Like every Christian is getting like a little bit of grace and peace in their lives, but every single one of us could be getting way more. Even if you have a lot, you can be getting more. And second Peter one, two, and three says grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. I love these verses so much because this idea of, of grace and peace being multiplied, that this means it can be increased in your life. Like you have some, but you could have more. And we all need more. And then he tells us how he says, by growing in the knowledge of God, that's how he's saying, like, you need to know him more, like rather than taking short, shallow breaths, like you're keeping your relationship with God at arm's length. God is calling you to go deeper rather than just saying quick prayers and running to the next thing. God is calling you to sit in his presence and experience a deeper relationship with him. He wants you to know him. Because then the more you know him, the more grace and peace you are going to experience in your life. And then he says, I want you not to just know me. I want you to rely on me. Like rather than gasping for air once a week, only when you're desperate for help, God wants you to rely on him each and every day to like, not just do this thing on your own. He says, I want you to rely on my word and live by it. You know, like rely in, on my strength and live by it. This verse says that he has granted to us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. Like we don't have to do any of this on our own. We don't have to do any of it on our own. Like every single thing we need to live life and to live it well is in God. And it's through God and it's by God and we need him and we need his provision. We need his grace to do all the stuff that we're trying to do well. And it's just right there. It is the atmosphere in which we live. We can just stop anytime, anywhere, and just breathe deeply. And it's, but often we're just like running around too fast to even notice. But he's saying, I want you to notice. I want you to know that I am here. Rely on me day in and day out on a regular basis. So there's this breathing expert. Her, uh, her name is Nancy Zai. And um, this is a quote from her. She says, breathing deeply helps melt away tension and stress. Like when I hear that, I'm like, yes, like sign me up for that. Right. It also improves our energy and it simply makes us relax and unwind. 
Doesn't that sound like something we all need, right? When I think about breathing like that in order to like relax and unwind, I think about how I need a vacation. I mean, that's what I think about. Like when I think about breathing deeply like that, I think I just need to go away. You know, like I tend to breathe the most deeply when I'm standing in front of an ocean somewhere, you know, and I'm just sort of taking in all of God's beauty and I can just like stand there and just breathe. I get away from it all and I just like look at his beauty and I just breathe. But what Paul is saying is that we don't have to go on vacation. And we don't have to like stare at like the beach or the mountains or whatever it is. We can just simply take a minute and stare at the gospel. He said, we can stop anytime, anywhere and just simply gaze upon the beauty of the gospel and just take it all in. It's not a vacation that we need. It's the gospel. When things get hard, we don't need a getaway. We need Jesus. And Jesus is as close to us as our next breath. When I was a, a teenager, I was really type A, um, you know, had a lot on my plate. I was the president of everything. It was ridiculous, right? And I, there were moments where, I mean, I was just having like mild anxiety attacks, you know, at like my mom's kitchen table. You know, I'm just at the table and I just, I like, I'm overwhelmed and I can't breathe. And my mom would like recognize the situation and be like, okay, like Sharon, we're just going to breathe. Like we are just going to breathe. And she would have me do these breathing exercises and she'd say, okay, like I want you to take a deep breath in. And so I would, and I'm like, and she's like, okay, I want you to hold it. And she made me hold it like forever. And then I would have to take, you know, exhale out and then we would do it again and again. And every single time those breathing exercises helped me. They helped me get like whatever I needed to get through. But here's the thing. As I look back and as I remember that, It wasn't just the actual breaths that helped me. It was God who met me. It was absolutely God who met me with every breath that I took. And he spoke grace and he spoke peace and he spoke truth to me with every single breath that I took. With every breath that I took, he said, you know, if you fail on a, on a test, it's going to be okay. Like your future is in my hands, not yours. You know, he would say things like all these things that you're juggling, I'm the one holding them up. He'd say, you know, like your life is, is I have good plans for you and you just need to follow me. You know, I am yours. I'm your, like, I, like, I love you and I adore you and it's going to be okay. I mean, with every single breath, I just felt the presence of God. I heard the voice of God and that's what changed things. Like the breathing helped but it was when I slowed down and heard and just heard the voice of God. That's what changed things. Because when you hear the voice of God, things change really quickly because we can like, we can be all like wound up and all stressed out and, and like, but when we hear the voice of God in like one word, he can like make us unwind. He can undo things in our lives. Like in one word, we can go from being like really ashamed to go to be unashamed. We can go from being weary to unweary. We can go from being afraid to unafraid. When God speaks, things change. Guys, that's what this looks like on a practical level. It's just having a steady diet of God's grace all day, every day. It's learning to stop and stare at the gospel and just breathe. You know, it's, it's, it's learning to hear the voice of God and experience the presence of God and just breathe. You know, it's learning to rely on God with every breath that you take. 
His breathing deeply, it, it doesn't change our circumstances, but it does change us. Because the more we breathe in God's grace, the more we will experience his peace. And it's like the shalom kind of peace where we will be unshakable, where we will be strong no matter what might happen. And so I know, I know that I know that I will be able to get through anything because I know that I can breathe through anything. And God meets us in our breathing. So we're going to pray this morning and we're, there's a ministry team that's going to be up here and we're going to pray. And I just, I hope that you don't take another breath like all week long without thinking about Jesus. Like, I hope that Jesus meets you in your breathing and you realize that he is providing the air that you breathe and he's providing everything you need for every step that you take. So Lord, we know that you are with us. Lord, we know that our lives are not hidden from you. Lord, you are walking with us. You are talking with us. Lord, you are providing everything we need for every single step that we take. Lord, you are the air that we breathe and help us to recognize it. Help us to breathe deeply everything you have for us. Lord, give us more of your grace. Give us more of just whatever it is that we need because we want to live by your grace. We want to live, Lord, by your strength. We want to receive all that you have for us at every moment of every day. You are good and we don't want to do this on our own. Lord, we want to do this in you and through you. We want to live our lives in you and through you and for you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for stopping by the podcast at the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the Vineyard, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace to you.